We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of XL Church in IOM America. XL represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrated videos, prayer, and weekly message. Psalm 22, verse 3, promises that God will be enthroned in the praises of His people. God, how we thank You for the power of Your Word. Thank You that it has the power to wash us. Praise the Lord of my soul and forget not all His benefits. We remember everything You've done for us, God, and we give You thanks tonight. I thank You for giving us Your Word. And be it unto me According to your word According to your promises I can stand secure Carve upon my heart The truth that sets me free According to your word, O Lord, be it unto me. Sing it with me. Be it unto me, according to your word, according to your promises, I can stand secure, carve upon my heart. That sets me free According to your word, O Lord Be it unto me You promised your blood will deliver That's right Lord, we believe it's true us joy like a I can 
challenge you to say what Mary said be it unto me according to your word let your word be birthed in our hearts tonight let it come alive within us Eschatology, unfolding the power of prophecy. We're right in the middle of our 220 Revelation series. This is number 42. Today we're going to be talking about the death 
of the two witnesses. Sinful man will try desperately and unsuccessfully to get rid of the two witnesses throughout their ministry. God, however, will protect them, and he continues this protection until they have finished their testimony. There's a supernatural protection being placed on these two witnesses for the strict purpose that no one can shut their mouths. Every word of testimony that the Lord wants to be delivered to the earth during this time will be delivered without hesitation or the ability of the enemy and his followers to stop these two witnesses. God's purpose for this time is simply to reveal his sovereignty and to determine for the sake of his final ministry to the 144,000 that are on the earth during the second half of the tribulation. At the end of that time, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will wage war with these two witnesses. Now just think about that for a moment. It takes literally Satan himself to come up out of the abyss to bring death to these two witnesses. And God actually allows it once every word of testimony has come forth from the mouths of these two witnesses. It is God's way of delivering them to death, laying in the street for three and a half days, resurrecting them, and creating great confusion and warning to the earth. Keeping in mind here that it's God himself that said, Come up out of the abyss indicating that he is empowering Satan to accomplish this task. Well, since Satan is depicted as the dragon according to Revelation 12, verses 3 and 9, there's a great mystery as to whether this is Satan himself or one of his legion demon leaders that are going to come forth to do this. Well, whether it is Satan himself or one of his leaders... The fact remains, this revelation prophecy must come to pass. Let's take a look at our scripture for today. This is Revelation chapter 11, verses 7 through 14. It says this, When they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them, and overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which mystically is called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. Those from the peoples and the tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in the tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and celebrate. And they will send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. But after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God came into them. And they stood on their feet, and great fear fell upon those who were watching them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, to them, come up here. Then they went up into heaven in the cloud, and their enemies watched them, 
And in that hour, there was a great earthquake. And a tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake. And the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. May God bless his word. Well, it's party time for these folks. Once the two witnesses are killed, the world breaks out into a massive party, all celebrating over the death of these two immovable, loud, and obnoxious men of God. It is this celebration and facade of joy that causes the Almighty to prove his strength and majesty. Well, as you would guess, when the witnesses are here, the powers of heaven and hell will collide. The world, as we know the blood of its oppressors, stains it. The rocks and earth will cry out for deliverance. A deliverance that will only end in eternal condemnation and fire. During this time, the Antichrist and his Chancellor will perform some impressive miracles that are certain to deceive all of his followers, particularly his Muslim followers. When the seventh angel sounds, that will bring in a final closing of the end times. With the seventh angel standing ready to sound his horn, the witnesses vanish from the scene. From what we gain from spiritual truth, the witnesses are here only during the time of God bringing his judgment on Satan's followers. The chapter of the earth is quickly being brought to a close. Well, let's look at, before we say goodbye to these two witnesses, let's look at some final and intimate details. The prophecy of these two witnesses, the miracles they display, the plagues they command upon the earth, will not even budge the hard-hearted followers of Satan. By this point in time, the Satanists will be just as cold, deceived, and hard-hearted as Satan himself. Keep in mind, God will send to earth a message of mercy to the 144,000 bloodline Jews through these two witnesses of God. That's what and the reason why God sends these two witnesses. God takes 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes gathers them together during the second half of the tribulation. And that's why our two witnesses, preachers, prophets, arrive on the earth. There's such a stronghold over the Jews at this point in time that it takes this kind of a miraculous act of God to shake them loose so that he can gather them home. One of my favorite passages is there will come a day when he, Elijah, will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. Least I come and smite the earth with a curse. That's right out of Malachi chapter 4 verses 5 and 6. Well, now is that time. The 144,000 are reunited with their Hebrew Jewish forefathers. Well, as for the curse, 
Most Bible theologians believe that the word curse used here is the same Hebrew word used when he told Israel to curse, exterminate the Canaanites. Furthermore, the Hebrew translation of land-earth is literal, which brings this verse into the prophetic realm. Hell, fire, and damnation will be released as this curse, and it's due to the sin that fathers and children hold against each other and have held against each other for many generations. The reality is, if the Lord God did not send Elijah and Enoch during this time, the people of the earth would accept all of what the Antichrist was preaching without question. These two witnesses were mighty men of God. I can only try to imagine how powerful their preaching is going to be during this three and a half years. Thankfully, these two witnesses will call forth a small remnant to believe in the Lord himself. And God clearly states that he will have mercy on that precious remnant, according to Acts chapter 16, verse 31. The rest of them, though, are going to be ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Overall, these two witnesses and their careers are short and bitter. Three and a half years, or 1,260 days of sheer hell on earth. Keep in mind that no power can touch them until the testimony of the Lord has been fulfilled and completed. When they are finished with their father's work, God will drop the hedge of protection and they too shall die. Remembering Revelation 11.7, it says, When they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. Nobody but God knows how they will die. I'm sure it won't be a pleasant death, but beheading will become fashionable again during those days, according to Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. One fact we do know is they will not be buried. Their dead bodies will be left for decay in the streets of Jerusalem. The fact that they are denied burial is an outrage on common grounds of respect. Well, with that being said, this act is filled with significant Bible prophecy. The Antichrist might think he is the creative one who is behind this display of depravity, but he is not. The truth of the witnesses not being buried is no accident. Long ago, the Lord said that the two witnesses and their bodies must lay in the street for 84 long, enduring hours. That's three and a half days. Do these numbers sound familiar? Well, let's take a look at Imagine for a moment. People passing these dead bodies and mocking the day of their arrival. The amount of hostility the people must have for these two... Keep in mind they've been watching for three and a half years hellfire and damnation. 
Well, the level of disgust and hatred toward these two prophets must be immeasurable. Remembering it says, They that dwell on the earth shall rejoice over them, and make merry, and shall send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Satan's followers are so deceived and duped that they think that life will get back to normal because these two final prophets are dead. What a paradox. Deception seems to love fake news and replicated peace, a peace that grants permission to sin without calling it sin. These people will be ignorant of the final judgment of God The two witnesses were just the final act of mercy and plea to save the 144,000 and nobody else. From here on out, there will be no more preachers, teachers, and lovers of truth, just pure unrest and mayhem. How sad the day when sadness is counted all joy. That is evidence of a depraved mind. Now the cry of the prophets ring out. The blood of these two sets off a chain of events that will bring final closure to the earth, at least as we know it. Knowing that Jewish and Hebrew traditions state that the spirit of the dead hovers near the bodies for three days, that is most likely the reason why Jesus waited until the fourth day to raise Lazarus from the dead and why Jesus had to stay in the tomb for three days and why we bury our dead on the third day. As with the witnesses, God waits for three days and then another half day because the Jews will know that the spirit has departed from the body according to their own traditions and beliefs. Why the extra half day? They wanted to make sure their spirits left their bodies. When three and a half days have passed, something extraordinary and extremely unusual occurs. Let's review the resurrection of the two witnesses. Your two witnesses are dead. They've been laying in the street for three and a half days. Parties are happening. Gifts are being exchanged, and laughter is filling the air. The whole globalized world is shouting jubilant sounds of celebration, but the mood changes quickly. After these three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. The parties turned to panic. The gift exchange turned to selfishness and defense once again. There's no greater torment to a human soul than the satisfaction of revenge turning on oneself. Remembering it says, but after the three and a half days, the breath of life of God came into them. And they stood on their feet in great fear fell upon those who were watching them. Can you imagine. But wait, there's more. The wonder the people must have thought as they watched the breath of God come back into these bodies and hearing this shout out from heaven, and they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. 
Then they went up into heaven in the cloud, and their enemies watched them. If that is not shocking enough, as soon as their feet leave the surface of the earth, an earthquake, like no other, strikes Jerusalem, destroying one-tenth, which is the tithing percentage of the Hebrews, of the city. Seven courses that perfect number, and seven thousand died, and the remaining do something only God and God alone can accomplish. The remaining chosen 144,000 remnant of the city gave glory to God who dwells within heaven. Coming up next is number 43, the seventh angel sounds. Well, as you can tell, we have the resumption of the trumpets and their assigned judgments. Bride of Christ is safe in the arms of Jesus The 144,000 are dwelling in heaven, and each have been given a front row seat to watch the grand finale. By this time, God has removed all the seals from the seven-sealed book that holds the redemptive guidelines for all who lived past and present. All of God's design is about to be released from the cure, the redemption, that was initially placed on the earth through Jesus Christ. We're going to be talking about one of the most horrific things God decides to do in his final display of judgment upon the earth. Again, thank you for joining us. We look forward to reconnecting with you in our next message. Until next time.